Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Ghost Channel, and wherever fine products are being sold. Anyways, I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, macabre, New England's own Van Helsing. And with me, no end. Uh-uh, nope. She's off in Boston with the woodcutters doing something for the studio. So joining me today, and hopefully uh, we will have all of us, is uh, a gentleman I've known for quite a while. He is a lighthouse historian. In fact, he probably knows more about lighthouses than anyone in the entire world. He is none other than Jeremy Dontremont. Hey, Ron. How you doing? All right. That's all I get. Hey, how are you doing? I think you such a great introduction. I'm, try, I'm, I'm suppressing a cough right now. I was just uh, drank some cider a few minutes ago and swallowed wrong. So I'm trying <laughs> not to to choke on the air. I'll do my best. Ah, uh, there you go. Anyway, so anyway, thanks for having me on tonight. Yeah. So, uh, Jeremy, before we, we go any further, you also do lighthouse tours as well, right? I do. And yeah. lectures and um, so forth on lighthouses. And if someone was interested, where could they find more information about these tours and you and your lectures as well? Well, thank you for asking, Ron. They can go to my website, which is newenglandlighthouses.net, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you'll see various selections there. There's information about all the lighthouses in New England. And if you click on New England Lighthouse Tours, it gives my schedule for the season. I do minivan tours. I hear... I hear a, a ring in my ears. Yep, phone calls from the dead. We get those all the time. <laughs> okay. As long as that's all it is. Dead people love the show. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, you know, they, to get on. That's yeah. why they, uh, you know, put fences around here. Like cemeteries, they're dying to get in. Yeah. Anyway, so hopefully we're going to have uh, our good friend Dave McGurdy on, or McCurdy. And uh, we've been trying to reach him, but let me get into this deck, see how that's going. Uh, no. Okay, so we have mm. no nothing from him yet, which is strange. Um, but anyways, you and I uh, have done a lot of things together uh, over the years that I've known you. It's been a few years now that we we have worked together. It's been a decade, in fact. Really? That long? It has, yeah. We, <laughs> I know that, that your first investigation of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse was in 2005, so we go back about 10 years. Wow, that's that's a lot. And <laughs> that is scary, isn't it? Yeah, it is very so scary. <laughs> and we, we've done a lot together as far as uh, investigations, lighthouse investigations primarily. Um, everything from Portsmouth Harbor, like you mentioned, the first one, to... Uh, you know, um, what I, uh, excuse me, um, God, I can't even think now. Yeah, I missed the, you've been, you've done Wood Island a couple of times in, in Maine, yep. but I missed, I missed that, but we've done, uh, 
Borden Flats and Fall River. Yep. New yeah, London, uh, Goat Island and Kennebunkport, Maine. And, yeah. of course, Rose Island and Newport and New London Ledge Light in Connecticut. Yeah. And uh, I've done a couple it. others, too. And we well, did that. Well, Mini One at Owl's Head Light in Maine. Yeah, I was going to say that. We did that amazing 10 lighthouses and three-day tour mm-hmm. <laughs> for the Friends of Flying Center as well, which is yeah, interesting. But Tuesday anyways, the Owl's Head. I have been informed that the other member of this fabulous Lighthouse People team is on now, and joining us now from Rose Island Lighthouse, which we have done an investigation, is the executive director, Dave McCurdy. Yes, hi. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Hi, Dave. This is Jeremy. How are you? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Doing well. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's New England talk. Hi, how are you? Fine. How are you? <laughs> How's the weather? Is it snowing down there? It might be in a few minutes. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's snowing to beat the whatever here. Yeah, We're down here too. Yeah. So it's amazing. Wow. But anyways, Dave, you are the executive director of Rose Island Lighthouse, and uh, if people wanted to find out more about Rose Island Lighthouse, where could they look on the Internet? Now you can visit our website at uh, www.roseisland.org, and uh, on there you can see all about the lighthouse, and uh, you can actually see the available nights where you can actually stay there because we operate kind of like a bed and breakfast, but without the breakfast. So, oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? We always talk about, you know, when we have you on the show, we talk about investigations and stuff like that. Can you give us a a little bit of history on on the lighthouse to start with? Uh, You know, what is the history of Rose Island Lighthouse? Well, it was built in 1869. It was in operation for about 100 years. And around 1970, it was taken out of service when they constructed the Newport Bridge. And it basically sat abandoned from 1970 until 1984, when the Rose Island Lighthouse Foundation took over the restoration of the lighthouse. And from 1984 to 1993, um, many thousands of dollars went into restoring the lighthouse and bringing it back to uh, basically an operating lighthouse with uh, an interior that's finished for people to stay in. So it's it had a, a fairly long history with families living there. Um, several keepers that lived there for more than 30 years, if you can imagine. So it was quite wow. a, it was a desirable spot for keepers. So, uh, yeah, compared to some of them, definitely. You guys have done such an amazing job there. I mean, wow. I, I always think back to the late 80s when I first saw that lighthouse, and it was just, it was an eyesore. It was all boarded up, and uh, it looked almost beyond restoration. Uh, almost like there, yeah. there were no windows, no doors. You know, it had been completely looted of anything valuable, so mm-hmm. it was basically completely gutted for the restoration. So, yeah, it was quite a process. Yeah. yeah. Now, what's what's the history on the island itself? Because there's more than just an, uh, the lighthouse on the island. Yeah. Uh, the island itself has actually uh, been used uh, throughout almost every war, uh, everything back from on from 1798 on. There was a fort built there, Fort Hamilton. And uh, so it was used to defend the harbor against the British, which actually never happened. They never fired a shot. And then later on, it was used uh, uh, basically for World War One and World War Two as a ammunition depot where they stored high explosives. Um, and it even had a unique uh, 
job where they uh, quarantined folks in our barracks out there that were afflicted with cholera, so it became a state hospital for a short while. So it's 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 got a uh, big history of uh, a lot of different things going on out there. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy, how did you first uh, meet Dave and in, in find uh, out about Rose Island? Mm-hmm. I go back quite a few years with Rose Island, actually. Like I said, the first time I saw it was in the late 80s. I was in Newport for a, a lighthouse uh, event. It was the bicentennial of the uh, U.S. Lighthouse Service that was formed in 1789. There was a big event in Newport in 1989. I think that's when I first saw the lighthouse. And then in the uh, later in the 90s, when a lot of the restoration had took place, taken place, I uh, I interviewed the the uh, then director Charlotte Johnson out at the on the island on video, and uh, you know got to know Dave uh, soon after he became the director, and I've been there quite a few times. I one way or another, I seem to end up there at least once a year, once or twice a year, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a great place to visit. It's so beautiful there. Actually, it's it's an awesome place, and and as Dave mentioned, you can stay overnight there. Which, it, you know, there aren't that many. I mean, we talk about all the lighthouses in there. There are hundreds of lighthouses, and really very few in, in comparison to the overall number of overall ones uh, allow mm-hmm. you to stay there, and especially one on an island, which is is kind of intriguing. Uh, was that your goal, Dave, when you first t- uh, got involved in it, at, at the uh, foundation? Yeah, well, the foundation, uh, its its primary goal was to preserve that lighthouse. Um, and it became apparent, uh, originally they rented out the top floor for uh, a long-term keeper, somebody who was going to take care of it and live there year-round. And um, it was funny, there's this kind of, uh, I don't know, lighthouse fever, but they became very uh, possessive with the property. <laughs> um <laughs> So they're, they're isolated, and uh, so it turned out it really wasn't the best idea uh, for having guests coming and going. And so what they ended up doing was deciding to make that an overnight accommodation, too. And uh, it just became a way to pay for the restoration project and to have it ongoing and continue. So it was kind of a byproduct of just necessity. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it, it really did work. And uh, what's great about it is it, it helps support all our you know, continued restoration and grant writing and, and different projects. So the overnight stays is, is, is a big part, of our, uh, big part of our income. And we have a lot of people donate money, too, towards the cause. But, yeah, I would say that that became part of the mission pretty quickly, the overnight accommodations. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I've always been envious you, of you uh, because of that. I mean, Jeremy, of course, is the founder of the, the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, and I am the current uh, chairman, and we can't do anything like that. And it's, 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 you know, I mean, I'm sure it bothers you, Jeremy, as well, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Any lighthouse that can generate uh, that kind of income from overnight stays or and or a museum or, you know, that type of thing, um, has such an advantage. It's huge. And most lighthouses don't have that, uh, you know, as a possibility because so many of them are isolated off on rocks or, you know, just basically inaccessible to the public. But uh, then there are ones like Portsmouth Harbor Light that's on a Coast Guard station. So for that reason, we can't have overnight stays there. And the other lighthouse we're involved in, Whaleback Lighthouse, is we've got to have a dock there before anybody can land there safely. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, overnight stays are not possible there either. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Who knows in the future? 
And it does. It is. It's a. It's a unique situation. We've gone to other lighthouses where they're getting closer to having the overnight stays, and some are working, you know, quite successfully with this program already. They do a similar type thing, and are booked up uh, year round. You know, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Sometimes you just. It's as simple as a dock <laughs> to start with. Um, yeah. Just to, yeah. To get everything going. Well, Dave, I'll never forget know, the night, Ron. Oh, remember the night uh, Dave took us out after I spoke there in Newport, and he took us yeah, out at I, night, and it was foggy, I think, too, right? Yeah, yeah. we're going to get to that. You couldn't see a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and you you know that dock so well. I remember you uh, single-handedly landed us there, no problem, even though you could barely see a thing, and it was a tough night. Yeah, that's that happens every now and again, and it's, I guess it's repetition that gets us back and forth. So <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> Actually, that was the point I was bringing up is that uh, you, as an offshore lighthouse uh, like uh, Whaleback is in in, uh, Rose Island, uh, you understand the logistical problems that are involved, and it's so different than a a, a land-based lighthouse. And you guys have done a great job with that. I I know that it's constantly, you know, we talk about repairing lighthouses and everything else, but you've got all the facilities to go with it that has to be maintained and take care of like your dock day, uh, Dave, and, and your boat just to get back and forth. It, it does become a logistical. If we didn't have the, uh, the income coming in, it would be much more difficult to maintain exactly that. You know, uh, we have a pier that needs replacement right now and it needs a hundred and forty thousand dollars to replace the entire thing. And, and, and a mm-hmm. boat that, constantly needing maintenance because it's bringing people back and forth and you know expensive $130,000 boat that also needs <laughs> so having yeah. the only reason we can support that is we have this income thank god and and it does help for that and and logistical nightmares everything you know just bringing heating oil onto the island we have to dock or beach our boat and pump it up into the lighthouse, which is just a really complicated process with, and uh, takes an entire day to put heating oil into the heating tank. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the old days. They used to have to bring the coal uh, boats close to shore, and uh, at, at the lighthouse, they actually rigged up a, a system where they could pull it up by cable. So, yeah, it was quite a... It's always... It's, uh, most keepers, I think most lighthouse people had to have the Yankee way or some sort of, uh, you know, ingenuity in their life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've just been working on a book on West Coast lighthouses right now. <clears throat> and talk about isolation. Some of those places on the West Coast, you know, are, are so isolated. Even though they're on the mainland, they were on these high bluffs above the ocean that were completely isolated from, you know, miles from, from town with no roads and in some cases. They would land the uh, stuff on the beaches, and the keepers would have to carry the stuff up, sacks of coal and everything else. It's unbelievable what these people went through. Now, Dave, does the foundation own the island? We own the 18-acre island. Uh, Actually, it's about 17 acres that we own. And then there's one acre that the lighthouse sits on, and that's owned by the city of Newport. Um, That's how they originally... um, basically uh, gave the the island or the lighthouse was given to the city of Newport, and then we were put on the deed as maintaining the property. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were perpetually maintaining it, but um, unfortunately we don't own that one acre right at the moment. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, it's kind of a unique situation, but we're happy to have, you know, what we have. So we're, uh, um, you know, we worked well together. 
No, that's good. That's that's an important thing. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the haunting there. And you know, first of all, how did the you know how did the, the idea of of a haunting and ghost stories and so first first come about? And you know how far back does it go? And 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 explain a little bit more into it. What the, what's haunting there? For the the lighthouse itself, um, you know, it, it's something I think it's been going on for quite a bit of time. Um, and it, it, you know, the lighthouse sat abandoned for a long time, so there weren't folks out there relating stories about it. And prior to that, there were probably you know there were folks who were in the Coast Guard, and it was probably you know not exactly something that was going to be published in the paper about the ghost stories or anything happening. So it was kind of a quiet situation, even though I'm sure they, they did experience certain things. And um, But it, I think what happened more and more is as we started to occupy the lighthouse with basically civilians or folks who were staying there, mm-hmm. um, they um, basically started to um, hear these things. They started to experience some things that they'd never experienced before. And um, then those stories got related to us. And so, um, you know, our history is just back to 1984 and mm-hmm. really 1993. So we have a relatively new history. But uh, so the things people started to experience were um, footsteps at night, which um, kind of made sense because uh, the footsteps would go up and down the stairs going up into the tower. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just like to explain it that it's a keeper going up to check the light <laughs> at night. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, then one night, a gentleman, or one day, a gentleman took a photograph, didn't, you know, a 35-millimeter camera, mm-hmm. developed his film, like, you know, months later, didn't really even notice it. And then one day I was looking at his pictures and noticed that there was a person sitting in the room that wasn't there when he took the photograph. And that's when we started to get an inkling of who might be haunting the lighthouse. And uh, that person had a big handlebar mustache and... And he looked a lot like a, a character from the 1800s, early 1900s. And when we compared the photographs, he looked a lot like one of our keepers, Charles Curtis, who was there for 30 years. So we like to relate the story that it's Charles Curtis that's haunting the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a, a little bit of history behind our version, or our theory of who's haunting the lighthouse. <laughs> Jeremy, I know you've done research in most lighthouses. H- have you ever heard any stories of uh, Rose Island prior um, not really. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> the cider has uh, hit me again. <laughs> I was telling uh, Ron, Dave, I swallowed Ron just before I went on the air, so I was trying oh, to, no. to cough. But anyway, um, uh, I hadn't really heard ghost stories. I remember uh, Dave's predecessor's director talking about um, a story about uh, Charles Curtis's, the, the keeper you were just talking about, Dave, his uh, grandson, Wanton Chase, right, who spent a lot of his childhood at the lighthouse. Yes, uh, and was quite involved in the restoration of the lighthouse, and uh, yeah. lived to be, I think, close to a hundred. He was, I think, well in his nineties yeah, when he passed away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I heard that after the the kitchen had been restored, that he came to visit, and uh, you know, it wasn't the original furniture, but it was made to look much like it did uh, in his around the time of his childhood, around like the World War One era. That that around that time, and he yeah. saw the the old fashioned stove. And said something like, "Oh, I can just smell my grandmother's cookies," you know, when he saw the stove. And somebody that got sort of passed along, and there came that sort of uh, became sort of an urban legend that there was a, a ghost of a 
an old woman making cookies in the, in the <laughs> lighthouse or something. <laughs> so Charlotte Johnson kind of made a, a joke out of that. But um, but that was the closest I had heard to a, a ghost story in the early days of, of my association with it. Okay. So we don't have too much... Uh, early history, uh, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen, of course, because a lot back then a lot of them wouldn't talk about it. Uh, and I know in in some cases, Jeremy, when you do research, you you've had some lighthouse keepers will say, "Oh yeah, this place was," you know, I had all these experiences. Oh yeah, once oh, it's so much fun when that happens. You know, and I've had so, conversations yeah, but, with with lighthouse keepers, and out of the blue, they'll say, "Oh, you want to hear about the ghost?" <laughs> you know, yeah, I but love you it. Also have, you also have some too that in that same lighthouse will say, "No, there was never a ghost here." Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But I had one guy. I think I told, might have told you this before. I'm not sure if I've said it on the show, but um, uh, a guy who was a, a keeper at some main lighthouses a number of years ago. He's still still around. I spoke to him on the phone just a year or two ago, and we were almost going to hang up, and then we started talking about ghost stories. And he laughed. I thought he, you know, he seemed like a very skeptical, like he he didn't believe in any of that stuff at all. He said, but you know, one night at this lighthouse called um, uh, Libby Island, way, you know, very remote in Maine, up near Jonesport, Maine. And uh, he said one night he was outside uh, by the keeper's house. He looked over at the lighthouse. The light was on, and he was absolutely sure he saw a woman sitting on the railing at the top of the lighthouse. He could see this woman very distinctly. Hmm. And he kind of, you know, (laughs) freaked out a little bit because there was obviously no woman on there and it was a strange place for a person to be actually sitting on top of the railing in the top of the lighthouse that would be kind of dangerous and right. uh you know he, he watched for a few minutes and she was gone uh and never saw it again but you know he he knew knows what he saw so even though he, he laughed about other keepers seeing ghosts he had his own story so um seems like if you dig deep enough with almost any lighthouse you're going to find a story or two or three in there somewhere right so yeah, Dave. some of the history too we've seen in like uh, in our logbooks. You know, just we have a logbook where our guests are staying for the night. Um, they they uh, they write down their notes. You know, the time when they stayed, and and we're seeing experiences that we you know um, that you know it was kind of neat to see, and, and so that's one of the reasons we started to learn about who, you know, what was going on. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it may not have been broadcast, but they did write it down. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a lot of places that have ghosts, but they they really don't. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They they really don't want to learn any more about it. And and you're the opposite, Dave. You you and your group allow ghost hunters to come to the lighthouse and actually do investigating and so forth. Oh yeah. No. See, when I first started, I was pretty skeptical, actually. And uh, just having some experiences with, you know, I, I've had a door that opened up inside the lighthouse once, and as I was reaching for it, it just it, it opened up like I was in the way, and it opened up with a strong push, and it basically I was like, excuse me, sorry, you know, and I was in the way, and somebody was coming through the door. Um, it was not a draft; there was all the windows were closed and doors in the lighthouse were closed, and when I shut it afterwards, it stayed exactly the same way. So it was a really unique. Thing and 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 the same thing. I had a barracks door. We have a barrack structure from 1798, and one of the farthest doors down the end. It was shut. And they were shut all day. We were working out there, and I come out and I walk by, and that door's open. And when I walked down, I could swear I heard somebody talking, and there was nobody around. But you know, I I 
it shut the door and it was a weird experience. And so it started to get me thinking about, you know, anything that could be going on out there. And, and so it was, it kind of opened up my curiosity and I actually became a ghost hunter because of it. Cause I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool. And I ran into other groups. And so then, um, yeah, if folks wanted to come visit the lighthouse, we have like a, a busy season, obviously we have a lot of people there and it's pretty loud and investigating is fairly difficult, which is, basically the summer months. Mm-hmm. But when we hit November, uh, it quiets down quite a bit. So we offer basically a special where folks can come out um, up to like 15 people for like $300, and we provide all the transportation um, back and forth, and um, they can stay the night, and they have the place themselves, which is um, it's a lot awesome. of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely awesome, yeah. Yeah. So you... Uh... You know, we were lucky. I know we're coming up to the break, and so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the night that the three of us investigated uh, the lighthouse together, which was quite enjoyable. I, I, th- I think that was one of the most interesting nights that that I've investigated, and uh, especially for one particular event, which we're going to talk about. But so that, have you had any of those TV ghost hunters on the show, <laughs> if, on the TV come in? had taps and ghost hunters come um it was actually they uh, they blew me away the the ghost hunting the what they found was was a lot more than i expected that that same barrack structure where i saw the door open up they focused the camera down there at night uh, a, a a thermal camera and a night camera side by side and about 1 a.m something some energy or object came out of the barracks and then went back into it and it was bright enough to look like a human being but um they accounted for all the people where they were at that time and in fact i was down on the water uh, in a on our boat waiting we just hung out on our boat on our pier and i knew where their staff was too because i could see their flashlights inside the lighthouse so i could tell that there was nobody down there either so they they discovered something down there that was just that blew us away so it was a neat experience to see somebody with very good equipment catch something and it validated my experience of having that door open that's so, awesome um so, yeah we had ghost hunters and well uh, we got to take a break right now and we'll sure. talk a little bit more of this after we come back you listen to ghost chronicles next generation uh, with Ron Kolick and sometimes Ann. And we'll be right back after the following messages right here on Pararex and Planet Paranormal and Tojinet. And maybe even a ghost box, who knows? Hello, hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the ghost box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he is a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I am required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Welcome to Toginet. 
Radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation right here on Tojinet. I am Ron Kolick, and my special guest today is uh, Lighthouse historian Jeremy Dontremont and the executive director of Rose Island uh, Lighthouse Foundation, Mr. Dave McCurdy. I always want to say Gertie. I don't know why, but I apologize for that. <laughs> yeah, the hurdy-gurdy man, maybe. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> Yeah, so so you had the ghost hunters there, and uh, yeah, I actually saw that show, and you know, because it's uh, it's always cool because you, you know if you've done an investigation to a place, you, you want to see what, what somebody else gets, and of course, especially you want to see if someone on TV what they got, and and you know, of course, a little bit about the history and everything, so you want to see if they got it right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that, it's like a cool thing. So um, did they get anything else that was interesting there, Dave? Or, in a, or were there any other groups that... Uh... Oh, they, they validated a lot of stuff for me, which was really funny. I mean, they had an experience with a door opening in the same door that I had to open mm-hmm. on me. Uh, to the point it bumped into... I, I'm not sure if it was Dustin. Uh, no, it wasn't Dustin. Um, w- one of the guys, mm-hmm. uh, as he was standing there, and it sort of pushed him out of the way. And, and when he stepped aside, it kept opening. And it was a similar type situation to me, and I thought, yes! <laughs> so it was just funny that the, the, the couple things that I described, and, and they, did, they did actually validate footsteps, too. They kept hearing footsteps going up uh, inside the lighthouse, and, the, and that's one thing my wife, when we stayed out, my wife kept saying, I keep hearing footsteps up and down the stairs, and it kind of freaked her out. She's not a ghost person, so mm-hmm. she did not want to go back. <laughs> but... <laughs> Now, that door, Dave, was that the one that was up in the Keeper's uh, place? Yeah, it's the door from the Keeper's apartment into the tower. Yeah, 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 and I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and and it it doesn't move, um, it just doesn't move, it's not on the, the hinges aren't off kilt or anything, and if you unhook it from, you know, like, it's not closed, it stays pretty much closed, and... I haven't seen it open with a draft like that either, and especially when they were out there, it was cold, so that there were no other doors open. And it, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was just funny to see them verify these couple things that I mentioned that they should probably check out, and both of them came <laughs> validated. So um, that's pretty cool. It was. It was now. Like- for both, for those who don't know Rose Island Lighthouse, I mean, a lot of people think of lighthouses, they think of these big, tall cylinders like uh, Portsmouth Lighthouse in Whaleback. Uh, but Rose Island is, is, a, is a little different than that, correct? Yeah, it's more um, of a design where you have the home attached to the light. So you have the two stories of the house, 
and the tower runs up along the side of the house, but it's connected, so it's, you're inside. And, and from the second floor keeper's apartment, you only go up about two flights of stairs, basically, and you're to the ladder to go up into the, 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 the lamp room. So it's kind of an open-type um, uh, design, and it's, it's neat. It's, it's more like being in a home than it is your traditional cylinder with the stairway up and going for a long ways up. So it's, oh, yeah. It, yeah, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, you've seen many, many different types of lighthouses uh, mm-hmm. uh, through your travels, and and to you, what is your your favorite? <laughs> um, I love the style of Rose Island. There's several has some siblings that are very much like it. <clears throat> the uh, Palmum Rocks Lighthouse on the Providence River in Rhode Island is mm-hmm. very, very much like it. It's a very pretty style. You know, it's 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 one of my favorites. The New London Ledge Light that we've investigated at yeah. architecturally, I think, is incredible. It's one definitely one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no other lighthouse like it. And, and of course, you even have the spark plug lighthouses, which are basically these little tubes stuck in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we did one of those too. Uh, the uh, mm-hmm. Borden Flats Light in Fall River, which some people would call a spark plug type light, mm-hmm. basically a caisson. In those cases, it, when it, those are built in places where they didn't have an island or a rock or anything to build on, so they actually sunk a cast iron caisson down into the bottom underwater, filled it with concrete to anchor it down, and then built the lighthouse on top of that. Hmm. The keepers lived inside the, the tower, and uh, uh, yeah, they're uh, pretty, pretty pretty interesting. There's so many different kinds of lighthouses. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people think the lighthouse is a lighthouse, but that's not the case. No, I mean, I, I actually, uh, Steve Parson, who's in the U.K., and in fact, he's coming back over here in September. But uh, he uh, he sent me one uh, photograph from Milan of one of the oldest lighthouses, continuous operating lighthouses yeah. in the world, yeah. which is 800 years. But he also sent me, which I found totally fascinating, was it was a straight lamp. And that was officially uh, a lighthouse. It was designed f- for what a lighthouse did, but it was it was a street lamp, basically. Oh yeah, Is, mm-hmm. isn't that amazing? Yeah, I think there was one of those in Boston. Actually, it looked like a street lamp in South Boston at Castle Island. I believe I've seen a picture of that. So there's you ever hear all kinds that, of things. That... Did you ever hear of what those, was that? Dave? 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 Did we lose Dave? Oh. Do we lose Dave? Uh-oh. I guess we lost Dave. Uh, Karina, can you see if we can get him back for us? So, anyway. Anyways, uh, so you mentioned the New London Wedge while we're trying to get Dave back, and uh, mm-hmm. that was a, an interesting investigation as well. Uh, that was, was that one of the first that you went with me after Portsmouth? Um. Yeah, I guess I think it was. It would be the next one after. Yeah, yeah, that was the mm-hmm. second one we did together. And um. Mm-hmm. What were your we thoughts on that? We had a TV that? crew with us there. What was that? Yeah. What were your thoughts on that? Um. That was quite a night. Uh. I mean, just to be in that place. You know, uh, there's almost like two parts to these kind of investigations because I just love lighthouses so much, and just to be. Uh, to have the experience of being in, a, in and around a lighthouse at night, you know, in, in the middle of the night and that kind of thing, that in itself is just a thrill. The investigation's like a bonus. <laughs> That's what but, got um, me involved in lighthouses when we did Portsmouth, just the opposite of how I got involved in lighthouses, because being there with the fog rolling and everything else. But I understand Dave's yeah. back with us. Dave, you with us? Yeah. 
Sorry about there that. There you I go. I got cut off. Something paranormal <laughs> happened there. Paranormal. Hey, you want me to hear my story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, we, uh, as I mentioned before the break, we, we, the three of us were uh, able to do an investigation thanks to you at uh, Rose Island. And it was uh, it was an interesting night. In fact, uh, it was, you know, there's something that we talked about before, and that is the flashlight. And I've never been a big fan of the flashlight. And I'd never seen really good results with it until that night, Dave. The, the no. night you used the flashlight in the was the Foghorn House. Yeah, the Foghorn Building. Yeah. And it it responded, and and I agree with you. I I have since had many many disappointing times with the flashlight, <laughs> and have the best I've ever seen too. I've become more skeptical, you know, of it. But that night in the Foghorn Building, it was. I've only had one other time like that where it was responding with very, you know, answers right on to our answer. So it was, it was obviously answering us, and it was not something I've had had. Like I said, I've had it one other time like that, and it happened actually in my home. <laughs> but, really? Yeah. I don't think I'd want it in my home. <laughs> it was it was a very strange experience. I was showing my wife. Uh, how to do it, and it works better than I've ever. The only other time I've seen it work like that. So we did have it happen in the Foghorn Building that way, to the point we we I think we discovered an, uh, maybe a nurse that worked down there, and um, we took some pictures. I think Jeremy took a picture of me, and there's a, a white orb or something reflecting oh, yeah. right where I was standing. Yeah. And when no you problem. took other pictures, right, tried to duplicate everything, there was nothing there afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was so interesting. I mean, you know, with the flashlight thing, if if you get, if it seems to respond, you know, maybe a couple of times in a row, you can chalk it up to coincidence. But I think it was it was probably about ten, ten questions in a row where it seemed and it was to quick too. To, yeah. to be like a just a beat of a second, and it would seem to answer what we were asking. Yeah, it was, absolutely. It, it was quick, like Ron said. It was quick. It was on. It was off. It wasn't this flicker. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, where you just get skeptical and go, oh, there's nobody here. Yeah. But that right. was that was it was on it was off it was on it was off it was yeah it was great and it, something about that night we had a lot of energy with us I think or something. It, it was a very good night actually, and, and one of the other things that uh, we did, of course, was the table tipping. Yeah, that was that was memorable. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Uh, it, it, that was the. Table tip for that for people who don't know is of course you put your hands on top of the table and you ask the spirit questions and it it moves the table for you in response. Uh, just prior to that, I have a paranormal study group that meets in Andover and and uh, we introduce different subjects and one of the the things I introduced uh, at the last one was the uh, table tipping and I had never done it before and I brought a young lady in who showed us how to do it and that was my first ex- first experience and then uh, shortly after that I went on the investigating with uh, you Dave and, and Jeremy and we tried table tipping downstairs where you uh they they got that picture of the uh the guy in the 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 picture picture and get a guy with a picture does that even make sense i don't know i guess it does. <laughs> but the uh, face in the photograph yeah right so yeah. either one of you had had you previous experience with table tipping before then no um I'm 
not sure. I think it was. Had we done it before somewhere else? I I think we may have. I have tried a little was, bit at Portland Harbor Line or something. That was the second times I ever did it. Yeah. At that time, that, that I did it once at the Paranormal Study Group, and that was the first time I did it in the field at all. Uh huh. So that was I know I had heard it discussed time. at least, but um, maybe yeah. that was my first time. But mm-hmm. first time, it's sort of <laughs> it's sure memorable whether or not it was my first time. It mm-hmm. makes me forget anything else uh, that I've ever tried. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and the first time we did uh-huh. it, like I said, we did it downstairs. It was on a small table, right? Yeah. Yeah, just the three of us. Yeah, and uh, so what did you think of the results at that time? Uh, <laughs> that table moved. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. <laughs> Please don't hurt me, man. That table came right at Jeremy like it was circling towards him. Yeah. <laughs> did a, a 360. That table, was. it, it wasn't just moving or shaking or you know it was dancing it was jumping <laughs> it was like it was alive it was unbelievable and it did like a 360 circle and came back towards me and was up against my chest and that's when i said please don't hurt me and Ron, you'll never let me forget that but i'm okay with it if you want to have a t-shirt printed for me that says, please don't hurt me one of these days it. i will <laughs> that and dude run yes yeah, right <laughs> yeah, there you go uh but you know, I, even then, I'm always skeptical because it's it's a little table. You know, you can kind of manipulate it. Sure. Uh, but we tried something later that night, which uh, to this day I, I cannot explain. And so, so, do you want to talk a little bit about that? That, was, that, that was amazing. That was we have an oak table in our kitchen upstairs, and it's a heavy table. It probably weighs a hundred pounds, or you know, it's a big heavy table. And we thought There's, this would be crazy if this moves. Mm-hmm. And how many people do you think we had around it? I believe it was six. Seven. I think. Yeah, we, we. You always have a thing, but we, I could count them off. I mean, it was you, me, uh, Jeremy, uh, Clay, Jim Stonia, the uh, kid that ha- uh, carried everything around. So that's six, I guess. <laughs> Wasn't Jim off to the side? Uh, no, nope, videoing it. Nope. It was. No? It was Somebody a static camera. We'd set the camera low so we could yeah. see it. And, and boy, the, did we see it. And it, at first it was just, we were, I think the first things we were getting was the, the table would lurch a little bit, like to one side or the other. And we would say, well, can you make it move a little bit further? And then it started to vibrate a little bit. And that, I think the vibration was kind of in there, too, in the beginning. Yeah. Mm. And then it it's almost like electricity. Lurch. Yeah. Yeah. Like a fine vibration. Did we do it after this date? We didn't do it. Uh, um, well, I, it, but it lurched back and forth, and eventually it started getting a pattern where it was actually just uh, – it was almost like when we laughed and had more energy, the table was almost mm-hmm. dancing at that point. It was mm-hmm. – it had to be coming off the ground because based on uh, at least each leg as it, as it rocked back and forth, which was mm-hmm. – uh, for a table that's over 100 pounds, there's no way – and none of us had more than just our fingertips on it. And we had them on top of the table. Just on top, yeah. Yeah, yeah fact, nobody's legs were touching it. I, you know, I checked that a couple of times. Absolutely nobody's legs were touching it. And they, they couldn't. And you'd be, like, working to move that table. Right. You'd be really obvious just to even get that to even happen. Because I actually went back and tried to duplicate it doing that. And it would have been so obvious. You just can't even do it. You'd be tired after a minute anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you tried that with other groups there, Dave? I have. Um, I have. I've never had that experience. I did have one other time, though, 
where we had it vibrate. Oh, and that's cool. What would happen is it would uh, yes and no answers. It was very good with the yes and no answers to the point we could spell out a name. Is your name start with A, B, C? And when we got the right letter, it vibrated heavily. And mm. we, we actually, I think it was an Italian immigrant, was the person we ended up talking to. Huh. And, I mean, huh. his name was Tony or something. I mean, really came up with everything. It was a really neat, it was almost like a really good K2 meter working perfectly, you know. And yeah. um, so that's the only other thing that's ever happened. But the, the movement of the table, that just... I mean, I think we ended applauding it, and we weren't no, even we touching did. it practically. <laughs> it it was moving, and uh, yeah. it actually jumped at the very again. end. The very last thing, it it was this push that jumped up a little bit and just dropped, and then it, it almost just like it completely got up the floor, stopped dead. Yep. Yeah. You uh, you have that video, Dave, don't you? I do. I have yeah, that video. So I I I have it somewhere, um, um, and it's it's every time I see it, it's amazing. Yeah, I actually showed that to a couple of parapsychologists that came over from the UK and uh, very skeptical of, of the uh, the spiritual, especially the spiritualist methods of uh, spirit communication and so forth. And uh, he was, you know, really dumbfounded and trying to explain how that could happen. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, there's the theory about, you know, the people's sort of the, the moving it through your fingertips with your from your subconscious or whatever that's actually like you know really? i mean to me that's that's equally whether or not it's spirits or people's subconscious moving the table it's equally uh, amazing but um what do you think about that ron do you think there's a possibility of anything other than than spirits doing it I mean, as Dave said, he tried duplicated, and you and I, when we went uh, for the last board meeting that you guys had, we went on the island, and we, we tried to physically, intentionally move it, and we couldn't do it. Right. Uh, it it's just, you know, to me, the, it might have been some psychokinesis or, or something, but it's certainly not like a pendulum where you might have minute nerves or anything moving because our hands were on the top of the table. Right. And, and there were times sure, fingers. when people were taking them off, actually. Yeah, our fingers. And and yeah. the thing, it, it, and I don't know if you remember it all, but it actually twisted a couple of times, too. It did. I don't know if That's you right. guys remember that. It did a clockwise. Mm -hmm. Like it was turning, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now, it, that, it's, do, you, do you think that compares to like a Ouija board? You know, you have everybody put their fingertips onto like a, and it moves into a letter. I mean, are you focusing that table like it's a giant Ouija board? <laughs> oh, well, it, you're you're focusing on it. That's there's no doubt about it. Uh, yeah. it you know, you're trying to communicate, but it, it's a huge difference between moving a, you know, a two ounce plant shed into a hundred pound <laughs> table, uh, especially when you're considering. I mean. You had never done table tipping, and uh, Jeremy had never done it except the downstairs prior. It was only my second time. The gopher had never done it before. Clay had never done it before. Jim had never done it before. So, I mean, to get us all in sync and to, to be able to manipulate it the way that, like the table did us is, you know, I, I can't explain it. I really can't. And to me, it's one of uh, the coolest things as, as far as, I don't know if you're going to call it paranormal or not, but it's certainly, to me, it's uh, one of the, the coolest things, paranormal evidence that I can't explain. Um, 
it, it was really, uh, you know, a phenomenal thing. And the way it ended, especially, I mean, I, you know, you can understand the energy building up in it, the vibrations, yada, yada, yada. But and then everything moving around. But then all at once, it just like I said, if you look at the, the video, you can see it. It's like it has that one last jump up in the air and it just drops and then it's just dead. And everybody just applauds and everything because it was just fascinating. And we were asking, you know, can you do it one more, just one more time, make it jump really good so that we know. And that was it. It was like the coup d'etat. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. That was that was some experience, that's for sure. Yeah, and it really did seem like it was feeding off our energy there. I mean, the more people laughed and and uh, whooped it up and everything, the more the table moved. Which is yeah, what you think be like the opposite of what you think. You think you should be quiet, meditate, you know. Right. And you know, you want the the, the, the paranormal, you want the experience to come through and hear you. And it was it was almost like it was feeding on our energy of you know we're laughing and it's it was having fun or whatever, however it was. But it was mm-hmm. it was yeah, it was the opposite. See, that's have you ever seen? Have you seen as? Oh, sorry. Sorry, Ron. I was going to say, have you uh, seen anything as strong as that with table tilting, tipping since then? Who, me? I know you've had uh, other experiences, but anything that that powerful? Uh, me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've I, we've had experiences, uh, not this, anything similar to that with that, especially with that type of table. That was a huge, heavy table. But uh, mm-hmm. we've I've seen you know certainly tables. We, I do a lot of table um, seances, long tables, so tables move and stuff. So that's yes, I have seen that, but never of all the experiences that to me, as far as uh, you know, table work that was absolutely the the best. But you know, one of my theories in which I was saying is that um, I do believe that uh, you know, if you in the right spot, in other words, if you're not meditating, if you're not that way, or if you're more jovial, you're more uh, energetic, then you get better results. Uh, you know, I I do glass rolling, which I I love. I can it's fun, and I don't. It's not scientific. It's not anything. It's just fun to do. But anyway, um, I think that that's what creates a lot of the energy is that jubilance and and being looser than than trying to concentrate too much, and which actually makes sense if if you know it, it takes almost the psych. The um, the PK out of it, in that you know you're really not concentrating on doing that. You're kind of like into the moment thing, and it happens. Uh, if you go back to the the spiritualists and when they do all their, their uh, meetings and so forth, that they, they don't do it with you know uh, protection prayers or anything else. They do it with song and and uh, you know it, it's much lighter and, and brighter. The, the vibration or the energy is is a higher than uh, you know that deep somber stuff. So I, I really think that that helps a lot. Does that help, do you think, in the normal, just paranormal investigation rather than being, you know, <laughs> quiet? Although maybe observing what you're trying to observe, but having that energy may actually help with uh, having different results? I think so, Dave. The only yeah. problem is you have to be careful because, I mean, you are supposed to be the observer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Right. If you're not paying attention, then you know you kind of right. like miss stuff sometimes. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But As you're uh, saying that. I was just thinking about. You know, I've been involved in quite a few investigations at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse by different groups, and it seems to me some of the most active ones have been ones where there were a lot of people and there was a lot of stuff going on, almost like it was a three-ring circus. You know. Those those seem to be more active than some of the ones where there might have only been three or four people and it was very very quiet. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Usually when it's really quiet, like nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> but when everybody's all over the place and a lot of you know there's a lot going on, it seems like more happens. Do you think it's perhaps the the spirits are enjoying themselves more? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they're attracted to it. Yeah. Yeah. But I whatever know that it happened. was, that. Oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Whatever it was, that night was absolutely phenomenal. All the way from the you know the flashlight thing to the table tipping and uh, even the table upstairs, it, it, it was just amazing the amount of energy. And, and maybe we just had the right group and we had the right mindset that that uh, created that good energy for us. Yeah, we had a super moon too that night. We did, didn't we? Big big full moon rising over Newport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah. I've been on investigations with supermoons that it were like dead. No offense. Yeah, so you don't think that <laughs> influences it? No, I, I really don't. Uh, not in my, my, you know, I can't correlate anything between the two of them. Uh, it certainly was a lot of energy at night, and it was a supermoon. But like I said, I've done investigations with supermoons before that have been really dead, pardon your pun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was so beautiful there, though, that night. I remember... For a little while, being out on the grounds by myself about 2 a.m., just taking some pictures of the lighthouse. Uh, it was really, really beautiful. Yeah, we'll just have to do something with Dave again. That's all there is yeah. to it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to come back. Yeah. The, uh, Maybe so not Dave, in March. At least if it's March again, oh. I'm not going to try to sleep a little bit in the fog signal building again because it, it, was, it was really cold. Yes, the, no. I mean, that's the interesting thing, too, uh, that you've done to the island. You've made some unique sleeping quarters. Uh, you have the, the fog signal building. You have uh, – well, how many – why don't you tell me, how many rooms do you have th that are available there? Um, for bedrooms, we have uh, – we've got two bedrooms downstairs in the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. uh, they're basically all historic, uh, uh, just as in the period of, like, it was in 1912. And then we have the upstairs apartment, which – basically has uh, a queen-size bed and a fold-out couch, so you could have four people up there. And then we've got, um, uh, so the lighthouse itself can basically do, uh, and then it's got bunk beds for kids. So you've got six, ten people inside the lighthouse, maybe 11. And then we've got a, a foghorn building that used to just be empty and kind of torn apart out front. And uh, we converted that and made it a bedroom, and it's one of the most popular bedrooms we have. Oh, it's cool. And, um, that's a neat building, and that just sleeps too. And then we had a barrack structure that was built in 1798, and we converted one of the chambers in that barracks into a bedroom. They're both seasonal because there's no heat, there's no water in them. They're almost, we call them glamping, glamorous camping. <laughs> <So> <laughs> we provide bottled water and, and things like that. People have to walk up to our outdoor restrooms and uh, to use that, but it's still it's a unique experience. So people are kind of spread out around the grounds at night. And uh, so, yeah, there's a, there's a couple different ways to stay there, and I think that's that's the unique part about it, and, 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 and it's kind of fun, too. I know we're almost out of time now because I heard the bell, doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here, so we've got to wrap it. But, uh, <laughs> if, 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 once again, how can people contact you? Uh, people can absolutely, uh, they can visit us on roseisland.org, and if they go right on there, you can see our, uh, all the rooms that are available. And you can actually see all the rooms, and you can see our calendar. And if you're thinking about bringing your ghost group out there, uh, look into the later season, like into November, and uh, you can see the weeks that are available and the, the nights. And we'll just give us a call and ask for Dave. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I will uh, see what I can do for you guys. Awesome. And uh, 
We have our own uh, ghost tours coming up as well, uh, Jeremy. So if people want to are interested in our ghost tours and some of the other stuff we're doing at the Lighthouse, where can they go? Uh, where can they go? They can go to PortsmouthHarborLighthouse.org. Uh, but we don't have the schedule up yet for the the uh, right, we'll tours be. there. But we will we will soon. Remember this is a podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, by the time a lot of people hear this, it'll be on there. But um, we do have other events too. There's a lot going on at Portsmouth okay. Harbor Light during the summer. So we got to wrap it up. So thank you, uh, Jeremy, for joining us. And Dave, it's, it's great hey. to speak with you again and relive some uh, great times. All right. Thank you. Yep. Good night, guys. Everyone. Talk to you later. See you. Bye bye. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night, deliver us good law.